0: Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to come in and worship the Lamb of God to come into this place to learn from your word, to be blessed by the singing of songs to give praise to your name and remind us of your majesty, to be blessed with the opportunity to give and the blessed with the opportunity to read your word. We thank you, Jesus, and we pray that you will speak to each one of our hearts now as we talk about the word of God. May we be inclined to make it a priority in our lives. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Don't forget, after the service is over, about ten or so minutes afterwards, you want to hear more of the beautiful cello playing of Amit, how do you say his name? Amit? Did I say it right? <clears throat> he will be sharing some with us, and we're blessed for that. Would you open your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. While you're turning there, I have to say, just sitting here listening to this music, I feel smarter. I don't know if you knew that, but uh, it's actually I've heard studies done that that smart people listen to classical, refined music like this. And uh, my best friend Scott was a drummer, <laughs> but he grew up his whole life listening to classical music, and and uh, and uh, you know he graduated with summa cum laude and all those things, and I graduated. Just graduated, nothing nothing else to say about that. And he told me that his parents always made him, every day, listen to classical music. So that's another reason why I took this call here. I want my kids to be smarter than me, amen? So thank you for the beautiful music. Second Timothy chapter three, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. According to a 2013 study by the by the Barna group, entitled The State of the Bible, a majority of Americans overall believe with the sentiment of this passage that, that the scriptures are profitable for for mankind, that they're good for mankind. More than half of the people living in the United States believe or that, believe that the Bible has too little influence on the things that happen in this nation. In fact, 77% believe that the nation, that our nation would, would have a better moral compass that our nation would be a, 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 a stronger place, would be a, would be a healthier society if we followed the teachings that are found within this book. If, if more people took time to learn this book and, find, uh, and study the teachings of this book and lived in such a manner that we would see less, word, less downward decline in our society. Unfortunately, of those 77% that say yes, The Bible needs to be studied and it needs to be followed. Unfortunately, only one out of every five of those people read their Bible on a regular basis. It's like the person that's struggling with diet says, absolutely, I think that I need exercise. Are you going to go exercise? Absolutely not. It's basically the same thing that's being said here. Yes, I believe that the Bible should be Followed and it should be studied, and if we followed it, we would. Do you read the Bible regularly? No, I do not. The study went on to f- further to report that 88% of Americans own a Bible. 88% of Americans own a Bible. In fact, the average household has four point four Bibles in it. And if you have more than one Bible in your household, just go ahead and raise your hands. Anyone you have more than 10 Bibles in your household. I have more than 10 Bibles in my household. There's a number of you that have more than 10 Bibles in your household. 88% of the nation owns a Bible, and in those homes, there 4.4 is the average amount of Bibles in a house. 80% believe that the Bible is sacred in some way. 61% wish that they read it more. Man, I, have all, I see those 4.4 Bibles that I have on my bookshelf. I wish I read it more often. Yet 57% of Americans read their Bible less, less than four times a year. Less than four times a year. Only 26% read the Bible at least four times per week. And if we took out people over the age of 28 years old, they would drop below three times a year. People 18 to 28 only read their Bible, or read their Bibles on average less than three times a year. People 18 to 28. So now I'm talking to some of the young people in our midst. We need to be more inclined towards these, towards the reading of our scriptures. These numbers create a picture. These numbers that I just shared with you create a picture that would be completely incomprehensible to the early Christian church. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Acts, chapter 2, and we'll begin in verse 40. Acts chapter 2, and verse 40. We're looking in this series at the church we are, maybe, maybe not the church we are quite yet, maybe we're not there quite yet, but the church that we desire to be, the, the picture that is painted in the books of, uh, book of Acts of the church that we should be. This is our church, steadfast in the word. And Luke has just finished relaying to us, the readers, uh, Peter's Pentecost sermon in verse 40. Beginning in verse 40, and with many other words he testified and exhorted them. Luke here is writing of Peter, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and, the fellow, and, the, and fellowship in the... Breaking of bread and in prayers, then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all, among all as anyone had need. The sermon ends and there is this massive, Peter ends his sermon, and there is this massive conversion. 3,000 added to this church in one day. This was truly just one church in Jerusalem. This isn't talking about what's happening in the world. I hear us talking about, man, we're adding to our church daily on a worldwide scale. Praise the Lord for that. But this is one city where 3,000 were added in one day. Y'all, can I ask you to do me a favor? Will you write down in your prayer journals a prayer that you will pray every day, that God will add unto us in such a manner as he added unto the church in the days of Pentecost. Can we pray for that? Can we make a commitment to pray for that? If you just write a note to yourself real quick to remember to pray for that. I believe that God still can and still wants to do this. Not just in Africa. I have preached, in, a, I've preached in, a, in, in Nairobi years ago, and I was part of a group of people preaching all over uh, the areas of Nairobi, and they had the single largest baptism in the history of Kenya uh, uh, at the end of that, those meetings. Not, not, I, at our site was 63, so it wasn't me, but, but everybody else had a number of folk as well, and there was over 1,700 baptisms, single largest baptism in Kenya and in, in the history of Kenya at that time. This was years ago. And there's been numbers of other places where, where, there's, where there's been huge baptisms, but, but not just that. Well, we pray that God will do something like that in Silver Spring or, or, in, or in Burnsville or, or, or Alney or wherever in our Washington, D.C., that God will, will bring that type of conversion uh, through this church, through the Spencerville Church. But so he says there's this baptism, and then there is a description of that new group of believers. And the first descriptor, of this new megachurch in the city of Jerusalem, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Doctrine is a bad word in some circles these days. There are groups and even movements with, within our community of faith that say things like this. It's not about doctrine. It's about Jesus and Jesus only. It's not about doctrine it's about jesus and jesus only well really that statement is a is a very silly statement it's a foolish statement it's it's a contradictory statement were these disciples somehow less interested in jesus because they studied and learned the the doctrines absolutely not doctrine good doctrine what's its purpose good doctrine points us to jesus it points us to jesus that's what good doctrine is or for I'm absolutely for all about Jesus, but to say it's not about doctrine, it's all about Jesus is a foolish statement because good doctrine is not detached from Jesus. Good doctrine is all about Jesus. It reveals something to us about Jesus. It teaches us how to live for Jesus. Remember our text in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, the woman of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The two verses just prior to that say this, verses 14 and 15. But you must continue in the things which you have learned. This is Paul writing to Timothy. You must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Then it goes into all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Verses 16 and 17 are just basically giving further explanation to verses 14 and 15. Verses 14 and 15, he's telling Timothy, he's saying, the scriptures that you have learned, they will help you connect with Jesus. They will help you have that saving relationship with Jesus. How do they do that? Verses 16 and 17 say this is how they connect you to Jesus. The holy scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. How? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine which builds our faith and helps us to understand Jesus. To reprove us when we begin to lose our faith in Jesus. To reprove us when we stray from our love for Jesus. To correct us when our faith is misplaced and not placed properly on Jesus. To instruct us in what it means to live right in accordance with with the salvation that we have received through Jesus. To help us to be complete in Jesus so that we can do the works of Jesus in our world. That is what verses 16 and 17 are about. It doesn't say Jesus over and over and over again, but it's just explaining to us how it helps us, how it's profitable to for us for, to make us wise for salvation through faith. Connects us with Jesus. The early Christians understood this they understood this, and that is why they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They would not recognize our Christian world. They would not recognize a group of, of people. They refer to themselves as Christians, which means followers of Christ, but only spend three or four times a year reading their Bibles. This would be completely foreign to them. They say, how can you be a follower of Christ and not spend time daily learning of Christ? Only 26% of Christians study the apostles' doctrine, the doctrine of Scripture, at least four times a week. Folk, I would dare say, I believe that we cannot define ourselves as true Christians, true believers in Jesus, unless we return to a deep devotion to the word of God. Unless we can, it can be said of us that we are steadfast in the word, I believe we cannot truly define ourselves as true Christians. Now we can say it in theory. You know that is the theory of ourselves, right? As those of you that are in this room that are Seventh-day Adventist Christians, that is our theory of ourselves. Within the church manual, Then the first hundred or so pages, it says in the church manual that we are a people of the what? Book. You ever heard that before? In The preamble to the 28 fundamental beliefs. It says we hold to these truths in this, these 28 fundamental beliefs because we are a Seventh-day Adventist or known as a people of the book. But folk, while Adventists and the numbers associated with Adventism may be better than the general Christian population, I would still say that they would be foreign to the Christian world in the book of Acts. According to Roger Dudley, a study that was done actually back in 2003, so I'm sure it's gone backwards since then and not progressed forward. But in 2003, a study by Roger Dudley stated that less than 50% of us as Seventh-day Adventists study our Bibles on a regular basis. A people of the book that don't actually Study the book on a daily basis. 52% of us, like I said, that stay was back in 2003, and I'm sure it's gone backwards. 50% does not look like a group that is steadfast in studying the scriptures. Y'all, this, our church needs to be a church that is steadfast in the study of the word. Steadfast in the teachings of scripture. Not just what comes from the pulpit, well, I got the Bible this week because I went to church. Not just what, what we learn in the Sabbath school classes, and those of you that, that maybe only come for a second service, I want to encourage you to come for, for the Sabbath school classes. I have never been to a church with such wonderful adult Sabbath school teachers. Man, they're smart people here the first few weeks i was here by myself and and i got to sit in sabbath school and i loved it and i have to tell you there's been many times where i've gone to church and i've had to sit in sabbath school and i thought to myself i do this because i'm the pastor dear jesus help me to get something out of this but man i come here and i'm excited i'm just being honest with y'all all all right i come here and i'm excited to go to sabbath school and now i'm going to the children's sabbath school and i want to thank our children's teachers they're so wonderful my kids are loving sabbath school Praise the Lord for you all. Thank you so much. Um, and so now I'm going to the children's Sabbath school because I'm a dad before I'm a pastor, and so I'm a dad first, and so I'm hanging out with my kids during children's Sabbath school, but I'm loving that as well. But man, if you if you uh, want to be fed, come and, come and go to attend the Sabbath schools here at this church. I've never endorsed Sabbath school like that in any other church before, I'll just be honest with you. Um, don't tell the other churches I said that, but... Uh, So it's good, the pulpit, Sabbath school classes, but each of us individually, so that corporately we will be stronger. Each of us individually need to be steadfast in the word of God. Not just what the Sabbath school teacher gives me, not just what the preacher gives me. Steadfast in the word of God. Y'all, let me give you some reasons why each of us need to be in the Bible every day. Here's some personal things that will help you. Why each of us need to be in the Bible every day, and if we are already in the Bible every day, why we need to be in there more and more each day, why we need to be growing in our time in the Word of God. I've already mentioned the most important, the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. The Scriptures help us in our our saving relationship with Jesus Christ. We're not saved by reading the Bible, but we do connect with the one who saves us when we read the Bible. So we need to spend time in the word of God God, so we connect to the one who saves us. Do you ever struggling with believing? Do you struggle with that question? Is this all true? Are these things that I'm reading, are these things that I'm learning at church all true? Is the things that I was taught as a child, are these things true? Do you struggle with believing? The Bible tells us that if we study the word of God, then then our belief will be strengthened. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. I just encourage you to write these down because I'm gonna go too fast for you to uh, turn to all of them probably. John chapter 20 verses 30 and 31. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. I cannot wait to get to heaven to find out what those stories are that were not written in this book, amen? Isn't that gonna be so exciting? I mean, I, I just love that there's so much written in, there's so much that Jesus did that that many more books could be written that we don't have any idea about. I mean, I can't wait to get to heaven. I just got chills thinking about it. Oh, I love it. Verse 31, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Again, the salvation aspect. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. I hear so many people say, how can I really know? How can I really believe? But they don't ever open this book. These are written so that you may believe. There's something, I don't wanna say magical, there's something inspirational about this book, that literally reading it, something happens, that changes our thinking and helps us to believe. Do you you lack faith ever? Do you lack faith? Do you pray and say, man, I don't know if God's really gonna answer this prayer. I don't know if God's really gonna gonna come through like he says he will come through. Do you need your faith bolstered in some area of your life? Are you struggling with something in your life and you need your faith bolstered in that area of your life? Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and how we hear, The Bible tells us we hear by the word of God. You need your faith bolstered. The word of God helps to do that. Do you want to know what direction to take in life? If you're truly following God's will for your life, there's young people in here. Where will you go to college? What will you major in? Who will you marry? The first place to look is not at a college days. I remember going to college days, and one of the things you first looked at was how many pretty girls are on this campus. I went to every college days I could go to. Because man, I wanted to meet girls, I'll tell you the truth. It made me so nervous this week. I'll tell you something, that made me so nervous this week. I didn't say this when my wife was in first service. I didn't want to make her nervous. But it made me so nervous this week. My son Dayton said, Daddy, I love my school. Praise the Lord, Brian. Daddy, I love my school. I'm going to go there every single day. And I said, That's great, buddy, because you have to. And he said, I love my school, he said except for holidays, except for holidays, he said except for holidays, and and the weekend, and maybe my birthday, and for a baseball game. (laughs) Don't tell our principal this, but I did not go to school opening day ever in my life. You didn't hear that, Brian. I thought that was a pretty good tradition to keep going in my family. (laughs) Opening day of baseball season. So we may be at Camden Yards or at the Nationals Park, wherever it may be. But then he said this, he was continuing to talk to me. He said, Daddy, Daddy. He said, I love my school, but he said, I love Jesus more. I was like, amen. He said, I love Jesus more, and then I love Mommy and Daddy and Landon and Levi and my cousins and my friends. Baseball, no. Girls then baseball, no girls then church, then baseball <laughs> I said dayton shouldn 't baseball be before i mean shouldn't shouldn't church be before girls, and he says, maybe next month <laughs> but that 's just this month, but I went to college days to learn about girls that 's where I was going with that, but if you want to Find out who you're supposed to be with. It's not about going to college days. It's about studying the word of God. You see, the Bible tells us in Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet, and a light unto my path. If you want to know the direction you're going, is the direction I'm going in my life the right direction? Is the per- person I'm with the right person? Is, is the career field I'm in, is, are the decisions I'm making for my family, for my kids, are the decisions I'm making even politically the right ones? The best way to figure that out is to, hu- to have the word of God. Your word is a, is a light unto my path, is a, is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. Christina and I are here in part because of the path that God lit for her through his word. I started to sense that God was calling us to come here and pastor. I sensed that God may be opening up this door. But Christina wasn't having the same impression to begin with. I tried to talk to her about it, but it always ended up kind of tense. Any of you have conversations? with your spouse that always end up kind of tense, a few of you? No one wants to be honest at all, you're just gonna laugh at me? We have three honest people in the whole church. It would always end up t- t- tense about this. And every time I tried to bring it up, what do you think, let's talk about it. What are the positives? I don't wanna talk about it. I don't wanna talk about it. Got tense. And so I began to complain to God about my wife. Anyone else ever complain to God about your spouse? I told her this. I, she knows this. She, she actually said she complains about me too. I, I couldn't figure it. But I began to complain to God about my wife. And you know what God told me? Here's what God told me. True, true story. God told me, you can trust her convictions better than your own because she spends more time in the word of God than you do. My wife, I may study more in depth at times. I may dig in there a little bit more. But on a consistent day in and day out and time put in basis, my wife is faithful to the word of God. To the word of God. And God convicted me. You can trust that I'm gonna show her the right thing because she's in the word of God and praying every single day at four or 4.30 or five, whatever time she has to get up. Her study helped to light our path as a couple so that when she became convicted as well that we should be here, I was like, that's it, we're going. Do you lack joy in your life? The Bible tells us. I mean, there's plenty of people that lack joy in their life. Some people just look like they lack joy in their life. That's okay, I've come to learn that some people just aren't blessed with the the spiritual gift of smiling. There's just some of you that aren't blessed with that, and that's okay, I don't judge you anymore. I used to think to myself like, man, these people are so... They, they they just they have no joy in their life, uh, but then I realize on Sabbath mornings I can walk around with a pretty intense face and they say, Pastor, be happy. I'm like, I am happy. I'm a church, but you know it's just intense in those moments. But do you lack joy in your life. Does, maybe you don't smile on the outside, and maybe you're not smiling on the inside. The Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that, 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 that all these things we write to you that your joy may be full. The Word of God is helps give us joy helps light our path. It helps us know what to do in our lives. It, it, gives, it bolsters our faith. It helps us to believe in what we've been taught. And, and it gives us joy. Where are my blessings, God? Some people want to know. It looks like everybody else around me is being blessed. Why am I not being blessed. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things wh- which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Where are my blessings, God? Are you, are you spending time learning the Word of God? Are you spending time studying the prophecies, and, and not only studying them, but, but following those prophecies? Where are my blessings, God? God wants to bless you. The Bible tells us, the scriptures tell us, and I can testify that it's truth in my life, that that these things are true. When I read the word, the more I read the word, the more blessed I see in my life, the more blessings I see in my life, the more joy I have in my life, the more peace I have in my life. The the stronger my belief is, the greater my faith is. When I'm spending time in the word of God someone says, pray for me, man, I pray and I believe that God is gonna heal them. Why? Because I read that in the scriptures over and over again, and it bolsters my faith. It raises that, that temperature, that, that faith level. Do you have a sin problem? Do you have a sin problem? Don't raise your hand on this one, folk. I'll raise them for both of us, for all of us. Do you have a sin problem? Thy word, Psalm 119 and verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I, what? Might not, what? sin against thee. My dad was growing in his relationship with Jesus, but he had this deep, dark sin issue in his life. He was driving up the five in California. The five is a freeway, that's how we refer to our freeways out there. Uh, The five to the 10 to the 20 to the 210 to the the 15. Um, It makes sense to us. You may say, why are they saying these numbers over and over again? Where are you at? I'm on the five, I'm headed to the 10, I'm going to the 210. Man, those weird people. But the five, he was headed up the five to teach a class at University of the Pacific. And he told me, he said, Chad, I was just driving up the five and all of a sudden I just began to cry. Something just hit me and I just began to weep. And he said, I just cried out to God, I cannot be like this anymore. He's grown his relationship with God, but there was a sin issue that was just hanging on to him. He said, I cannot be like this anymore. You have to change me, God. And he said he was impressed. He was impressed that when he got home to start writing scripture down, And he just went to the Bible and he started with things that he knew but then he just began to go through the Bible and as he'd read the Bible, he'd come across a verse and every time he came across a verse he liked, he'd write the scripture down on little just three by five cards and he'd just write these scriptures down and and he's told me that, that that he, as he was going to his work, when he was between seeing patients, he would just pull these cards out of his jacket pocket and just read that scripture over and over again from those cards that he'd written down and just go through them like this. When he'd go to lunch, he would go get something for lunch and he'd sit in the parking lot and he'd just read these scriptures over and over again. And, and, and as he read that scripture, he's told me that as he, as he hid this word in his heart, without him even thinking about it, the sin issue began to go away. To dissipate. He'd been struggling with this for close to 40 years. For, for 40 years, he told me. The same thing, 40 years. And I would put it aside and say, it's just part of my life. I just can't, I just can't deal. It's just, it just is what it is. But then he was driving on that freeway and he said, it just hit me. I can't do this anymore. I can't have this sin anymore in my life. What do I do? God, you must change me. And God said, go to the word. Go to the word. And As he wrote that scripture down, as he hid that, Scripture in his heart, just day after day after day, a sin that he dealt with for 40 years and thought, I can never get over this. God just took it away. And you know what? Now that the sin's gone, every day still get, pulls out those three by five cards. Why? He doesn't want that sin to come back. He doesn't want any other sins like it. Just writes that out day after day. The word of God helps us overcome issues. I don't know what your issues are. You don't have to tell me but the, the word of God helps us to overcome these issues. That gives me such great hope. These are just some of the reasons, folks, some of the reasons that I've given you. We need joy. We need to be bl- the blessings of God. We need more hope. We need to have our faith bolstered. We need, we need to have a stronger belief in the word of God. We need, we need to have that assurance of salvation in Jesus Christ. We need to know that, that we can be overcomers of the sin in our life. These are just some of the reasons why we... We should be in the word of God every day. We need to be steadfast in the word of God. I love what William Barclay says about about, uh, the early church, being a church committed to learning the teachings of God. He said, we should count it as a wasted day when we do not learn something new and when we have not penetrated more deeply into the wisdom and the grace of God. We should count it as a wasted day when we do not learn something new and penetrate more deeply into the wisdom and the grace of God. Y'all, how many wasted days did we have this week? How many wasted days have you had this month, this year? How many wasted days did you have in 2014? Did anyone else join me in wasting days because I didn't spend enough time digging in the word of God and learning something new about God? Was you count it a wasted day when we do not learn something new. This book is so important, folks. The devil will do absolutely anything to keep you from reading it. You will do absolutely anything to keep you from reading it. Some of you right now may be thinking the Bible is so hard to read, I don't understand it. I don't know where to start. I don't have time. I don't like the Bible. Man, that is all the devil. That is the devil speaking into your mind. We need to say, devil, get behind me, Satan. I don't want any part of this. Ellen White wrote this. I don't command you to read the Bible. Never shall I, she said. should be mindful with our kids about this. I don't command you to read the Bible. Never shall I. I want you to read the Bible because you love it, not because you are driven to it, for then it will be an unpleasant task. But if you neglect the reading of the Bible, you will lose your love for it. I just don't like the Bible. If you neglect the reading of the Bible, you will lose your love for it for it. I found folks that, that everything that I didn't like before I was a Christian, I love now, pretty much. Go figure. Once I started doing these things, you know what? Someone asked me to pray. Man, I hate it when people ask me to pray. Oh, someone asked me to pray. You know, family dinner, can you pray? Why am I praying? I don't even like any of this Jesus stuff. Why am I praying? Man, when I accepted Jesus and I started praying, man, I love praying now. I, I, I'm, I'm Everywhere I go, I get asked to pray. Do you know when you're a pastor, you ask the pastor to pray everywhere they go? Folks, if the pastor is at your house, just know you can pray too. It's okay. Man, I love reading the word of God. I love the writings of Miss White. All these things I didn't like before. She says, if you don't read it, you will lose your love for it. But those who love the word of God, and this is so true, are those who read it most. By reading and searching out scripture references, you will see the chain of truth and will see new beauties in the word of God. While you make the scriptures more your study and become more familiar with them, you will be better fortified against the temptations of Satan. When inclined to speak or act wrong, some scripture will come to arrest you and turn you right. It is not natural. This is so, so, hear this, folks. It is not natural for the heart to love the Bible. We're not naturally inclined to love the Bible. But... When it is renewed by grace, then the mind will feast upon the rich truths and promises contained in the word of God. Your natural inclination, my natural inclination, is not to enjoy reading the word of God. But the more we do it, it's like asparagus. I hated it, but the more I do it, I love it. It's not my natural inclination. I don't think it's anyone's natural inclination to like asparagus. But if you do it enough, you'll start to like it. Man, the word of God, there is, there is not your natural inclination to like the word of God, but if you partake of the word of God on a daily basis, you will come to love it. I will make that promise to you. I will guarantee you that. If I had enough money, I'd offer you all 100 bucks if you didn't find that to be true. It's so true. When our, when our hearts renewed by grace, then the mind will feast upon the rich truths and promises contained in the word of God. So today, brothers and sisters, I don't command you, but I encourage you. If you are not already steadfast in the word of God, let each one of us today make a commitment to become steadfast in God's word. I want to invite you to pull out your connection cards at this time little white cards, and we talked about this earlier in the service, if you put your name down before, your information down before, just write your name at the top and then flip it over to the back side. You don't have to put all your information again every week. But on the back side there, on the right side, I'm interested in, and this is beginning a relationship with Jesus and information on baptism. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you'd like to know more about what it means to be in relationship with Jesus, the, the greatest man to ever walk the face of this earth, your friend, the one who loves you unconditionally, even right now as I speak. If you want information on baptism, you haven't taken that important step, we have two young ladies that are getting baptized next week, right? Next week, praise the Lord. The Weber girls are getting baptized next week and we're so excited to make sure you're all here to support that. Information on church membership, serving on a team at Spencerville, uh, receiving baptismal Bible studies. Some of you have put serving on a team at Spencerville, by the way, and just be patient with us. We're, We're still organizing, we're in transition but we will follow up with all of these. Just wanna let you know that. But right there, my next step today, specifically in responding to this sermon. First one, I, by the grace of God, will commit a minimum, now hear that, a minimum of 15 minutes a day to studying the Bible. I, I chose just 15 minutes, I think it's a good place to start If you're not reading the bible at all at least start with that 15 minutes a day we can all give 15 minutes a day now if you're already doing an hour a day don't go back and do 15 minutes a day hey the pastor said i only got 15 minutes i'm doing an hour i can jump back to 15. no we want to grow in this a thoughtful hour every day right a thoughtful two hours would be good in three hours but 15 minutes a minimum of 15 minutes a day of studying the bible let's all make that commitment today let's respond to that today and then second one i will pray for every individual in our church to become steadfast in the word of God. That means you'll pray for yourself as well and all your church family to become steadfast in the word of God. Don't go home, listen to me, don't go home and say to your spouse, you heard the pastor, you need to start reading your Bible. All right, don't do that. Don't go to your kids. The pastor said you need to read the Bible here. We're getting you all a Bible, you're reading it. Remember what Ms. White said, I don't command you to read it, but I, but I encourage you. So I'm encouraging you to read the word of God every day. Just you and the Holy Spirit and the word of God open on your lap. If you're here and you don't have a Bible, I will buy you a Bible. Just write at the bottom of your connection card, no Bible. I will personally buy you a Bible, a good Bible that you can read. And you need a Bible, just write that. Need a Bible on your card. This is not about a sermon or someone else. Well, someone else was preaching this great sermon and I listened to that sermon today. That's good, listen to a sermon. But this is about the word of God open on your lap. Not even your Sabbath school lesson, folks. Because guess what? You can go through those Sabbath school lessons and not read a lot of God's word. sometimes. I think it's important to do your Sabbath school lesson, but you can go through and you can quickly fill in the blanks sometimes. I'm talking about just you, the simple act of you, the Holy Spirit, and the Bible opened on your lap every day. And then pray that all your church family will be doing the same. Imagine that hundreds of people that are in this room right now, imagine each and every one of us opening our Bibles every day and drinking from the rich fountain of God's word. Do you think our church would see a mighty revival? Do you think God would do great things if we were to do that? I believe so. Let us pray. Jesus, I thank you right now for how you're going to move and act in each and every one of our lives as we open the word of God. Lord, I want to pray for the devil to be bound, to be, the devil to be kept away from every heart in this room. As tomorrow or as later today they go to spend their 15 minutes with you or maybe it's An hour already that they're at. Lord, when the devil tries to distract them, when the devil tries to distract me, help us to to just pray. And Lord, give us victory in this area. And Lord, I pray that you'll make us a church that is steadfast in studying and drinking from the blessings of God's word. We thank you, Jesus, for hearing this prayer, and we thank you that you will answer it. In your name we pray, amen.